joined us over October and we're exploring the theme of how we can host God's presence and in doing so we can bring life to those around us. Um, before we do that, I, I found this, uh, these, this little thing on the internet this week and about the 25, some Christian pickup lines that are guaranteed uh, to help you. And uh, I just thought it'd be quite, quite fun to, to read some of these. Um, again, there's no sort of metaphor, there's no prophetic meaning in this. It's just okay. Hi. Hi, my name's Will. God's will for your life. <laughs> you put the stud in Bible study. These are great. So if you want to write these down, do you want to meet up for a quiet time? Um, I, I didn't believe in predestination until tonight. Um, would it be a sin if I stole your heart? So bad. Okay, last night, last night I was reading the book of Numbers and I realised I didn't have yours. You might want it. It's a bit I've been married for nearly 20 years. I didn't use any of these. <laughs> Funny enough. Funny enough. <laughs> oh, there's loads of them. Um, the Bible says, I oh know. I'd leave 99 sheep behind to come and find you. Very, very cheesy. Would you like to be my accountability partner? Anyway, we can go on. We can go on. One more. Like Jesus, I stand at the door and, and knock. I'm going to keep knocking until you open it for me. No, don't use that one. Okay, like I said, so we're, uh, during October... We're looking at the theme of hosting God's presence and how to bring life uh, to people around us. Because, because we carry God's presence, we can bring life to others. And we, we talked last week about Matthew 10.8, just freely we've received, now freely give. And we talked about breathing. We, because we, it's like breathing, we breathe in and we breathe out. We, we receive God's presence in order to give it away to others. And just as Viv and I, we're, we're learning how to serve and how to lead this church, how to encourage you, um, and we're just praying for you guys and watching as, as Jesus builds his church. And uh, we really want Jesus to build his church and for us to make disciples. And, um, and so some of the things, as we've been praying for you, uh, there's a kind of, we can, I've been feeling these last few weeks just something in the air. Uh, so I play golf, I don't know if anyone else plays golf, golf, but you stand at the tee and you grab some grass and you throw, throw it up in the air and you see which way the wind is blowing. And these last few weeks I've just, I've just thrown things up in the air and it feels like uh, some of us are going through a really tough time at the moment, whether it's in uh, our relationships, whether it's in employment, uh, whether it's in our, our work or our, our finances. And so this morning is just simply a response to what I've been feeling these last couple of weeks. Just something in the air, something in the air. So I'm just going to throw, throw some things out and it might land. Um, the, the feeling that I've had is some of us are going through, we've had either mild panic attacks or we're extremely worried about certain things going on at the moment, that there's a whole lot of change happening. And... 
I felt God say to, to do a talk on to fight for peace. Like, how do we fight for peace? And uh, some of you might say, do you know what? Yeah, Steve, I, I'm normally fun-loving, I'm an easygoing person, I'm caring, I'm normally vivacious. But just at the moment, I'm, I'm grumpy as hell. It's like there's pressure. The pressure's building and building and building. And I'm feeling like it's just, it's just about to explode. So, um, so just kind of bear with, bear with me today. Uh, it might be that this has got no relevance to you now, but it might help you. Uh, because if you're not going through stuff now, the likelihood is we're probably going to go through stuff anyway. And just this week, I've been thinking about anxiety and stress and worry. And I've looked up some stats. And some of them are quite alarming. Uh, so these are from mine, the mental health charity, and, and other, other charities that, that work with people. Uh, and it's sad, some of the stats are, one in five people in the UK suffer from some kind of anxiety during the course of the year. And stress and anxiety levels are increasing compared to five years ago. Um, employment, finances, and relationships, they're the top sort of killers. They're the, they're the top things that we worry or we're anxious about. And, um, and again, some sad news, uh, obvious news. Londoners are the most anxious people in all, all of the UK, which is probably not, not surprising. Mm. You've been up and down the Northern Line. <laughs> um, but what our mental health isn't just affected, it affects every part of us. So our physical health as well. I don't know about you, how many of you have had a sleepless night over worrying about relationships, money, jobs, health? Uh, probably all of us could say, yeah, I've, um, I have worried about some of this stuff. And, but it feels like, just at the moment, some of us are going through, can I say a season, a, a period where your stress and anxiety is, um, is peaking. Uh, and I, I just had this feeling like some of us having some mild panic attacks or headaches or just our, our bodies getting affected by the, by the stress. One of the things that I've noticed as I, I've, I've talked and prayed for people in our community as I'm starting to, to kind of see as a, as a as UK, as we're getting less and less uh, Christian and faith in God is decreasing, and this is just my observation, that part of the reason why stress and anxiety is increasing is because of the, what we call, if you've been around church for very long, we call it the kind of God-shaped hole. It's the bit inside of us that only God can can meet, and it's the hope and the, uh, the, uh, the hope that we need. And so my observations are just that as people's faith in God is decreasing, I think stress and anxiety is increasing. And uh, people are searching for things to fill that gap. So drugs, alcohol, coffee, food, phones, escape, any kind of escapism. Uh, good food is increasing in the UK. People want to have good food. And I, I think as people are searching for things to fulfill that, that, that void that we believe that only God can fulfill, 
I think there's a, there's a correlation between stress and anxiety and faith in God. So as faith in God is decreasing, I'm just speculating. I think, I wonder whether uh, it's because what they need is peace. And so as we've talked and we pray for people in our community, what we're noticing is one of the most common responses we get when we pray for people is, wow, it's, um, I feel really peaceful after prayer. It's like, we'll be in the middle of, middle of the high street and there'll be traffic and noise and passers-by and we'll pray for someone. What we often hear is after prayer, it's almost like there's an oasis of peace. You know, this is what people are saying. It's almost like there's an oasis of peace around me. And what we do is we simply pray our best prayers and let God do the rest. And so it's no surprising, uh, because the Bible calls Jesus the Prince of Peace, it's no surprising that when we introduce people to Jesus, they feel that peace. They feel that peace that only he can find. I found this great quote. Anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. <laughs> Anxiety is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you very far. Many, many of us have spent hours and hours and hours and days worrying uh, and I'm talking about myself, worrying, stressing, what's happened in the past. I don't know about you, you replay videos of, in your mind about conversations that you've had or what you wish you would have said or I wonder what they're gonna, we're going to say next time. Or, 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 or. This is what the Bible says about peace and anxiety. In it, the Philippians 4, 6, I think the words might come up. Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind, minds in Christ Jesus. And in, the, and in Ephesians 2, 17, it says, He came, Jesus came and preached peace to those who are far away and peace to those who are near. The phrase, do not fear or do not be anxious, is mentioned hundreds of times in the Bible. It's almost like one for every day of the year. And I wonder it's because God knows the human condition. He knows that the thing that we do as, a human, as human beings is worry and we're anxious. And almost like a command, he says, do not fear. Do not fear, but receive my peace. So, the question is how? How do we do that? And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to read uh, from a passage in Mark 4. Uh, uh, where Jesus calms the storm. And again, the word, word should come up on the screen. So Mark 4, first... But let me just pray. <laughs> so Lord, we, we release your peace again this morning. Uh, we pray for each one of us. Whatever's going on, uh, Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And I, I even now, Holy Spirit, you would come with peace, even now in situations, in relationships, in the circumstances, you would release your peace. Would you come through us like a wind of peace? Would you come through us and, and touch us where we need your peace? So Jesus calms the storm. Verse 35. The day came. The, 
The day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up and rebuked uh, the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. Abby, do you have the next slide? Verse 39, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Thanks very much. Peace on my own <laughs> Okay, it's no wonder the angels, when they announced Jesus's uh, arrival on earth, they said glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill uh, to men. Peace and goodwill to men on earth. Peace and on earth, peace and goodwill to all men. So peace, as I've been thinking about what peace is, peace isn't the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. And if you remember anything about this morning, it's not, peace isn't the absence of something, it's the presence of someone. Um, and peace is the prevailing substance of the atmosphere of heaven on earth. So there's something about peace. Uh, so some people, so mindfulness and meditation will teach you we have to empty ourselves. But actually Christian meditation is about filling yourself with someone. Filling yourself with, God, with God's presence. And it's peace that touches our spirits, our soul and our body. A peace which absolutely engulfs a person's life. And tames every bit of opposition. And it's stuck, a bit like the, the Philippians 4 passage. It, the peace that passes understanding. The peace that renews our thinking. And it's the prince of peace that crushes the powers of darkness under our feet. Why? Why? Because we become permeated. We become uh, overwhelmed by the influence of peace. Now, being South African means I love meat. <laughs> Uh, up until a week ago, I was English, uh, but as I was born in South Africa, I've, I've kind of taken on <laughs> my South African nationality and cheering the, the box on. Um, so now, as I'm South African, let's, I am South African, as I'm South African, I love meat, and I love marinated meat, where Viv and I we used to run a group a few years ago now, and a lady in our group, uh, she used to make the most amazing goat curry. What amazing good, amazing good courage. She'd bring it in and my mouth would be salivating. And she said, I've been, this meat's been marinating for four days. And all the herbs and all the spices and all the juices just 
humming <laughs> with just goodness, and uh, it was amazing. I really, I really miss it. I really miss it. And from then, it's it's got me. When she starts talking about marinating, how to marinate it, it's got me thinking about when I pray. And so it's often when I pray now, I imagine myself being marinated by God's presence. So all of his goodness, all of the fruits, all of his kindness, all of his peace. It's like every time I approach God, the peace of heaven marinates inside of us. And the peace is a bit like that. The more that we encounter God, the more we're marinated and humming and smelling like, um, like God. So we was thinking about the lady that broke the alabaster jar over, over Jesus' feet. And it was, a, it was an anointing for, for burial. It was an anointing for what was going to happen. What we don't know is that alabaster, the, the jar, the, the perfume, would have lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks. It, it reeks. It's, it, it's expensive and it reeks. So as Jesus was walking to his burial, he would have been smelling of this, this anointing oil. He would have been smelling of this. And it's a, and it's a symbol like us. Like as, we, as we encounter Jesus more, we hum of Jesus. We, we resonate of his presence. Okay. And again, it's not an absence of something. When we ask people, you know, how can we pray for you? If, if God could give you a miracle today, what could he give you? Often people will say, peace on earth. We just want peace. And what they mean is, they want the, an absence of conflict. They, don't, they want all the wars to stop. They want, when they think about peace and earth, they think they want like, conflict to end. But actually, peace is, is something that happens. It's something that happens to us. So let's look at, look about, look at this verse a bit more. Um, I don't know about you. I think understanding is easy. I, I think the, with the invention of these things... I think it's really, really quick to get knowledge and, and understanding. So I think power, knowledge, when they say knowledge is power, I don't think knowledge is powerful anymore because in three seconds I, we can get any piece of information, any, any fact, any knowledge, any wisdom, any sort of statistic that, as we can in three seconds. But what I think people are wanting and what I think people is missing, and I'm just speculating again, is, is about wisdom and peace. And so, so imagine, for, for lots of us, we've had family members who have been ill, and what's one of the first things we do? We, we check up the diagnosis. We, we type in their symptoms, and it gives us sort of 26 different <laughs> possibilities, like this is what they could have. Uh, or we lose a job, and we look online, and we see a whole, load of, whole a list of jobs that are, are possible. So it's easy to get that. But what we're really wanting is, Give me wisdom to know how to talk to my family member who's just got cancer. So yesterday we were, we were praying for someone. Uh, we were just saying, we were just out in Balaam offering prayer. Uh, we'll pray our best prayers. And I just went up to someone and said, you know, God could give you a miracle today. What could he give you? And he said, oh, yesterday I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And um, that's when you're in the middle of the high street and he, he started crying. Uh, I start crying, it often happens, um, <laughs> but you want wisdom, what do I do in this situation? You can give him sort of advice, you can give our family members advice, you know, you must eat, you know, lots of vitamin, you know, you could do all that, but give me, with our family members, we just need wisdom. Or 
one of our friends, their marriages has just fallen apart. What, what do you do in that situation? Or in a job, looking for a job, and one of the things that we're noticing is that people, whether they've just started finding work or they've been out of work for three years, it's confidence that they're, that they're needing. They're needing a boost of confidence. How do I find knowledge about, about that? But I think what people are wanting is wisdom. And give me peace. Give me wisdom. Give me peace. And so sometimes we have to fight, fight for the peace. So what did Jesus do in this story? First of all, he was asleep. So we see that there. He's, he was sleeping on a cushion. And this kind of gives us insight into his humanity. It tells me that he was fully human. It tells me that he got tired and he needed rest. He was fully, as we know, he was fully human and fully God. He didn't pretend to be human either. It's not like the movies where we see one of the main characters, they, put a, they have a latex mask on. And, some, and during the story, they kind of reveal their true identity. Some people say, well, that, you know, Jesus was, he was really God, and he just had the skin of God. He, he was really, really God. This tells us that he was, he was fully, fully human. And there's other stories where we talk about anxiety. In the Garden of Gethsemane, before his, uh, before his death, uh, it talks about Jesus was anxious and he sweat drops of blood. And I looked that up this week, and it's actually a medical condition. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce the, the terminology, uh, but it's actually a medical condition of, about deep, deep stress and deep, deep anxiety. And our bodies just sweat the drops of blood. Uh, and Jesus, well, he was anxious. The Bible says he was so anxious in that moment that he sweat drops of blood. And then he prayed even more. He prayed even more. So Jesus was fully human. He was fully, fully human. Uh, so he was asleep in the storm. And again, so this storm had to be pretty violent. Uh, if you think about the disciples, it says that they were afraid. Now these were, most of the the disciples were experienced fishermen. So they were used to storms. And the Sea of Galilee, uh, it's about 600 metres below sea level and surrounded in a, in a valley. So it was used to, the Sea of Galilee, used to these kind of flash storms happening. So this had to be a pretty violent storm for, for the, even the, the disciples to be afraid. One, one Bible commentator in reflecting on us and the application for us, he says that because Jesus, he had authority in the storm, that he, he had so much authority that he was asleep. And so one uh, Bible teacher says that we only have authority in the storms in our life that we can sleep in. And so this tells me that um, we have to have some kind of peace despite the circumstances that we're, we're finding ourselves in, despite the storms of life, is where we bring authority to bring that peace. And so, let me just say that another way. What did Jesus do in this situation? Here he rebuked the storms, and he rebuked the wind and the waves, and he spoke a released peace over the storm, and the chaos that's outside of him. Because, and this is the kind of the the nub of, nub of today, because he had, they, the storms had to submit to the peace that was inside of him. So his internal reality 
became his external reality. So then you ask yourself, well, what did Jesus have within him? Jesus spoke and demonstrated more on the kingdom of God than at any other theme. Uh, and most Bible commentators and theologians will say that the kingdom of God was his message, was his core message. And so Jesus would say things like, the kingdom of heaven is near. He would say that he would teach people to pray by getting them to say, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And throughout the, the New Testament, the kingdom of God is mentioned. So Romans 14, 17 says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Which tells me that a third of God's kingdom is peace. A third of God's kingdom is peace. And the kingdom of God... Jesus didn't teach just that the king, about the kingdom of God. And that, that would be okay. That wasn't just his message. It was his message that it was near, that it was close. And the kingdom of God is the tangible, demonstrative activity of God. And it's near. The kingdom of God is near. And it's the dynamic rule and reign of God. And it's near. Some other translations, when they talk about near, they say, Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. So just put your hand out. Just put your hand out in front of you. So the kingdom of God is never further away than your arm's length. So how close is near? How close is at hand? It's two and a half feet. That's, that's what the Bible says. It's at, it's at hand. It's, it's near. It's close. Do you know, and again, I'm just, I'm just throwing out some questions. Do you know that transformation is nearer to you than temptation? You know that? that God wants to transform you. It's easier for God to transform you than the devil to tempt you. It's God wants to get God. It's easier for God to get you than for the devil to get you. You know that? The peace of God is never further away from you than an outstretched arm. Um, Jesus wants to mark your life, he wants to mark my life more than the enemy. Jesus has spotted you more than the enemy spotted you. Because the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will <coughs> follow me. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Where's goodness and mercy? It's here. It's at hand. It's no further than here. Goodness and mercy is here. And it will follow you wherever you go. And it's very, very close. It's really, really close. Uh, God wants to ran is looking to ransack your heart with the kingdom of God. And Jesus not only preached that the kingdom of God is near, he said it's within you as well. He said the kingdom of God is within you. Now, we can preach the kingdom of God, and Jesus can preach the kingdom of God, and he can tell about the kingdom of God, but unless he demonstrates it, we can't enter into it. So as a church... Any churches, we could talk about the kingdom of God and we could, you know, pontificate. We could tell all kinds of things about the kingdom of God. 
But the moment we say it's near, that's the challenge. That's when we have to demonstrate that the kingdom of God is near. And, and that's what Jesus did. And in our community, and in our gathered environments, we, we, we want to talk about the kingdom of God, but we also want to demonstrate it. And, uh, and Jesus doesn't say this, it's near, it's within. So back to the story. So, his, so we get this idea. His internal reality was about the kingdom of God. And he had this internal peace within inside of him. And so that internal peace became his external reality. So afterwards, when he turns to his disciples and he says, um, uh, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I don't think, it, you know, this is Mark 4. It's not like towards the end. This is really early on. So they're probably looking at each other going, what? what uh, we're just afraid. Like, what, what? What's he talking about? What's happening? And as we mentioned last week, his hope and his desire was that all believers and all followers of Jesus would know that the kingdom of God is within them, that the presence of God was, is within them, and, wants to, and he wants us to leak it out. Let me just say it another way. If you want peace that passes understanding, it involves renewing our thinking so that our internal voices and our internal victories become our external voices and our external victories. Um, let me put it another way. Um, the, world, the world around you, when you know what you're doing, when you know how to utilise the tools of God and the kingdom of God, you begin to start shaping the world. The world that's within you begins to sh start shaping the world around you. And you, I know that some of you are looking at me, you've got kind of rabbits in the head like, what the hell are you talking about, Steve? We know this instinctively. We, whether we've thought about this or not, we know this instinctively. How many of you have walked into a room and um, you just feel incredible tension or, or fear or worry or panic? You've walked into a place, you, hang on, where's that come from? Or you're, you're talking to a friend and they're smiling on the outside, they're saying all the right things, but there's something else going on. You can feel there's something else. Then their, their internal world doesn't look like what their external world is saying. Or how many of you have been, into, been in a room and someone walks into a room and the whole atmosphere of the place changes? All of us have probably experienced that. Um, we can feel uh, that person. Their stress, their anxiety, what they carry affects everyone else, whether they know it or not. So my kids, uh, Viv and Abby and Sam, um, I'm not your they often... I'm not your kids. Not my kids. Viv and my kids. <laughs> they, um, uh, they often say that I get stressed. Uh, again, it happens on rare occasions. It happens on rare, rare occasions. Um, and most of the time, I don't realise that what I'm bringing into that room, or what I'm saying, or what my face looks like when I'm with them. But all three of them pick up on my stress. And all three of them say, no, no, you're, you've just come into the room and you've changed, you know, we were fine before you came into the room. <laughs> Please leave. Again, very rare occasions. 
And it started to make me think, actually, if I'm hearing it from all three of them, maybe there's something about me that needs to change, whether it's my body language, whether my, what I'm saying, or how I'm, how I'm coming across. And we've all experienced having to walk on eggshells around people, people with power, people who uh, maybe influence negatively or dominate or, or abuse their power. Their negativity changes the atmosphere. So, if we know it in the negative, this is what I'm trying to say, if we know it in the negative, then surely there's a positive atmosphere that we can bring. So Jesus, he, he had this internal reality of peace that in every situation he brought his reality into that place. We know it instinctively in the negative. So what is that positively? What is that peace that we can bring into those around us, even in us? And I believe when he says to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith? It was this internal reality that he was getting them, he was wanting them to see. And so the other thing about this passage is that Jesus rebuked the storms. And um, it makes me think about this, that there must have been some kind of ungodly or evil force attached to that. Because the way he says rebuke, quiet, be still, is the same way that he the same phrases that he'll use to drive out demons or if people are, if people are ill or in pain, it's the same word that he uses to drive out that pain um, and again Sea of Galilee, there were lots and lots of storms, you don't see in the gospel Jesus rebuking every raindrop or every cloud or every thing that happened, but there was something about this storm which Jesus needed to rebuke and, one, and again what we're not saying, this encourages me because for some Christians, they think every negative thing that happens in their life is driven by the devil. Like, the devil's in this, you know, I, I stubbed my toe on the, the table, or the devil made me do it, or, or I missed my bus, you know, the devil, you know, inspired the bus driver to drive fast, you know. Um, let me just say, the devil's not that clever. He's not omnipresent. He can't do every negative thing in your life. He can't inspire that because he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. But there are occasions where circumstances and situations are inspired by the devil. And so there's sometimes where, where Jesus and yourself, we take authority over some of those bad things. But not every negative thing that happens in your life is from the devil. Christians still get sick. Christians still lose their jobs. Christians still break up within relationships. Christians' marriages still end. Children aren't born. Uh, Christians are still suffering. Uh, being a Christian doesn't make everything perfect and positive. We still go through crap stuff in our lives. And our friends and our family, we still are affected by things that happen to us. But it's the peace, there's, there's two things. There's peace that we can have in those situations. But also there's prayer. If there are evil forces behind it, there are, there are ways that we can do that. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to pray for each other. And we're going to ask and receive the peace of God. 
So it might be for some of us, we, we need peace to transform our minds. We need to just be marinated by, by God's presence. And for others of us, if we are overly anxious, if we, anyone here who's having panic attacks, who've had panic attacks recently, anyone who's getting headaches recently, anyone whose body is being affected by stress, anyone who's reacting out of anger, uh, there's things going on which we'd love to Jesus to, to bless you and increase the peace inside, inside of you. But there are also some of us, there's situations going on that we want to rebuke. And I believe, that as I was praying this morning uh, over in Tooting Common, I just, I just imagine this blanket of peace just landing on some people and situations and circumstances would change from today. And so as I grabbed a piece of grass today in this talk, I imagine that some of the things would change as a result of prayer today. And, um, so why don't we stand? And uh, we'll ask the band to come back. Why don't we stand? And there's nothing, nothing at all special about the front here, but what we want to do is if, if at the moment you're going through a time of anxiety or stress or worry, or you've got headaches or panic attack, what I'd like to do now is just come forward and we're going to ask the peace of God just to, just to come on you. So come forward now and uh, Jesus wants to release your peace.